This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. <laughs> oh, yes. It's Monday. I don't know why I'm tempted to giggle my way into the show every single day, but um, probably because I'm still here. Probably because I haven't been banished away to some far off land where there's no radio and no podcasting because I still have my little microphone with whatever size microphone pop, whatever color I want. I can just do whatever I want, you guys. Do whatever you want. Um, Our youngest daughter used to make up words. She had her own little language that she used to use when she was a toddler. And one of her favorite sayings was, yeah, just do whatever you want. We can do whatever we want. She used to, and she had a little word for that. I won't share it because she hasn't given me permission to, but uh, suffice it to say, it was super cute. And whenever I say do whatever you want, I think of that. Welcome to the program. I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, Righteously American, uh, the, the test of the emergency podcast system, which has been going strong now for, I don't know, six six weeks. Um, I, let me look on my little metrics here and I'll see. I'll tell you exactly. Um, we've been going for a little bit now. We've, we've been having quite a good good time. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going pretty well. We have some good podcast download numbers, but don't take that to mean you shouldn't share the show. You should tell every friend you have about the show and then you should tell them where they can listen to it. They can actually, the, the podcast numbers are like, I really want people to listen to it there. So if you go to listen.stacyontheright.com, that's where I want you to send people over to, listen.stacyontheright.com. That takes the person to Fireside where they can subscribe to um, any podcast service. We're on all of them. So whatever your preference is, if you're an Android user, if you're an iPhone user, if you prefer uh, Spotify, Stitcher, we're there. Just just take a, take a look, take a peek, see, we're right there. And our numbers are growing. So I want to continue that momentum. We have to have numbers that grow and point upwards, like, you know, a a nice steady increase so that we can get those advertisers in here and replace that income that we lost from the other place because we're still doing a show. So thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. I'm also the 2018 Journalist of the Year for the Second Amendment Foundation. And the Gun Rights Policy Conference is coming up in September in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to be there. I get to speak in that mix. It's going to be super fun. Um, and when I get to speak, I'm going to be, I actually, I'm not sure what the focus, I mean, obviously, Second Amendment rights, gun rights policy is going to be one of the subject matters, but uh, the subject matter of the entire conference, but I'm not sure what my specific focus is going to be just yet, but it's going to be a great time. And the conference is free. You just have to get yourself to Phoenix. You get a free box lunch. Um, you eat on your own for breakfast and dinner. And a lot of fun people will be there. Some of the best people, they're all going to be there. And well, I should say all the best people will be there. And I'm going to be there too. I'm going to be hanging out with Mark Walters of Armed American Radio. Don't miss me. Right after I finish this show, I'll be on with him for an hour during his daily. He has a daily radio program, Armed American Radio. And um, I'm on with him right after this today. So going to be super fun to talk to him about guns. And you guys know how much I love talking to you guys about books. And I haven't done it in a while because we haven't had very many guests and that's been intentional. I still have the same access, but we have one hour. So I've been trying to pick and choose and we have some fun guests coming up for you. Like this week, we're going to have Charles Payne from Making Money with Charles Payne from Fox Business. He's going to come on and talk about his new book. But this book I want to talk to you about, it's not new this year, it's from last year. And a friend of mine uh, actually told me, oh, you got to read this book. She was, she's actually talking to all of us in book club. I was like, um, yeah, and not because, so actually, fun fact, Ginny Thomas is the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and I know her from a conference that happens here every year that I've met her at many, many times, and she and I are friends online, and I just have so enjoyed when I get the opportunity to spend time with her. I've never actually met the Supreme Court Justice, but I know his wife, so um, I, I had it on my list to read, but it was I didn't feel like it was pressing. Oh, what a mistake that was. So the good news is I'm enjoying it now. Um, and I recommend it to every person. So 
for people who think, well, I don't, you know, I'm weary. I don't want to read a book about race. Well, the book's not about race. It's my God, my grandfather's son, a memoir. And this book is actually about Clarence Thomas. He goes through from his early childhood days, which you you have to read about this because this this is America right here. Um, we think of America as baseball, apple pie, soccer, you know, um, rap music, uh, fancy cars, high rises, millionaires, helicopters, jet engines, flags, eagles, um, and barbecue ribs, uh, just to name a few, lattes, whatever. But this story is the quintessential American story because he went from living... He literally, for when he was six years old, he slept in a dining room chair. I should say he slept on a dining room chair for an entire year from the age six to seven. He slept on a dining room chair. And now he is a Supreme Court Justice of the United States. So what's so quintessentially American about that? Well, you've all seen the fantastic stories about kids who are in high school. They're homeless. They refuse to go into the system. So they live in their car. They're literally on their own living in their car and they eat breakfast is whatever they can find. Lunch, they eat at school. Dinner, they bum at a friend's house or they bum after school at, you know, they eat out of the vending machine. They bathe, shower, do their, you know, remonstrations at the school. Um, and then they they study at the library and the only time they're asleep, they, they go to their car and they sleep in there. And we've had a number of kids who have done that and graduated valedictorian and gone on to Harvard and other places like that. There are some nuggets in here that are just so it's and first of all, if you're watching the live stream, you can see I'm only about halfway done. I have been it's been so hard for me because I have work to do every day, right? Um, yeah, besides preparing the show, I have other stuff to do. Check out StacyOnTheRight.com. We got a bunch of new posts up over there, one by Wayne Dupree, um, one by me um, and one by Clay Turner, my old boss over at America's First Freedom. He wrote a gun piece that we're going to go over today as well. Please. Look at those over on the show and then share them. That's all I ask on StacyOnTheRight.com. Share them. So I wanted to share a couple things that I've gotten out of the book so far. And um, I just briefly, one of the things that he said in the book that I couldn't, uh, I, I, I couldn't get over um, was how much he hates his Yale law degree. Because even though he did tell them on his application that he was black, He got into Yale because he had a stellar academic record from Holy Cross. In fact, he's had a stellar academic record since he was allowed to go to school because every moment he wasn't in school, he was either starving when he was living with his mom or when he was living with his grandfather, who he calls daddy, and his aunt Teenie. The two of them, they had a very rigorous and stringent household where he was he he was required to contribute from the time he could stand up, which is almost immediately when he moved in. So his standard of living improved greatly when he moved in with his grandparents. But, oh my goodness, it was such a a, a difficult childhood. But it shaped him into the man that he is today, someone who I, I respect greatly. I admire him a great deal. And uh, just, it was kind of unbelievable. Um, so... I'm trying to pick what thing I should share with you because I'm not going to share all of it because I think it'd probably be best if I did like a total book review. Um, Here, I'll do this one. One thing I learned at Yale was how to study for a tough exam. John Bolton had taught me the secret of distilling all the material in a course in a succession of shorter and shorter outlines, ending up with a concentrated super outline that fit on a single index card. John's study method would serve me well many times, but it gave the workout of my life. I gave it the workout of my life in the summer of 1974. So, at this point in the book, he's tracing how he moved from graduating from Yale and the supreme disappointment that he experienced in applying for jobs all over the country to become a lawyer at a law firm, only to find out that everyone would find out that he was black and he graduated from Yale and attributed his graduation from Yale to the fact that he was black. In other words, you only graduated from Yale because you're black because of affirmative action. But he was a stellar student there and he took all of the hardest classes and got honors grades. Honors grades at Yale back then, they did fail, low pass, pass, and then honors. So honors meant you had to exceed the standard and the expectation and do extra well. It was like an A++++. And he got those grades while he was there. But no one was willing to take a look at him because... This is during the 70s. I mean, he's, he's, we're talking about the kind of racism that we think couldn't possibly have existed in the 70s, but it did. But the story here is not 
oh my goodness, there was so much racism. It's how he persevered through all of it. And the example and the knowledge base that he has to offer us as Americans through this book, which is that any person can become anything they want to become if they don't quit and continue to work. This, and I'm not even done with the book, and I'm so, I'm just so, first of all, I'm grateful that he wrote it. Um, He shares some very personal stories in here. Things, he even, he's even hard on himself in this book. Um, He talks about mistakes that he made and the way he treated people and the way he thought about things when he actually had a period of his life where he was in undergrad, where he was radicalized and everything for him was about racism. And there was racism. He experienced it himself. But there were other things like there were people who were kind to him and they weren't kind to him because they were white people or because he was a black person. They were kind to him because he could use the kindness and they had it to give. I can't recommend it highly enough. And I've said that about a few books, but I would place this one even only halfway through up with some of the most important books that I've read. There's a moment in here where he talks about reading for the first time an article by Thomas Sowell and realizing he wasn't the only one who he considered himself to be a liberal, but he was conservative and he loved America. He never stopped loving this country. And so I can't, you got to read it. You just please consider it to be one of those ones where, so this is how I got it. I go over to a friend's house and she and I've been meeting weekly and studying the Bible together. And she's like, you have to read this. And I look at it. I'm like, oh, I know. I've been told a couple times. No, she's like, no, you have to read it. I'm like, well, she's like, yeah, you, next time I see you, I want you to have read it. So I've seen her since then. I was just barely, like I barely even started it. And so now I will have it finished by the time she and I meet again. And I think, you know, sometimes you read a book and it's, pivotal but it's something that doesn't stick with you or it sticks with you but in in a very tangential way I feel like this one will stick with me in a very real and substantial way which is helpful because the subject matter that he covers in the book much of it is political much of it is life lessons and it really is applicable to what we discuss here on the show on a daily basis and so I think it'll be kind of recurring and popping back up as we go through so I'm saying all that to say wow we're mostly through this segment haven't even told you what's on the show What is on the show today? Well, I'll tell you. We're going to talk about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who's wrong on guns. Um, You can find the piece that I'm going to be pulling from at StaceyOnTheRight.com. It's called Don't Buy Joe Biden's Assault Weapons Propaganda. It's by Clay Turner. And then uh, we have a report from Wayne Dupree about a French modeling agency providing Jeffrey Epstein with hundreds of underage girls. So this is something. So the depravity that we've seen from Harvey Weinstein the, I think the most shocking thing about that I learned in reading the stories about him um, is that so many people helped him to molest these women. He, so many people were complicit and they were assistants in the rapes and sexual assaults, et cetera, et cetera. He, he basically couldn't do it by himself. So other people had to be a part of it. And it was an open secret. Well, there's no difference in his story and this one with Jeffrey Epstein. Many, many people across the globe saw his money and said, well, he's allowed to do things that other people can't do. And they let him do it. As long as it wasn't their child, they let him do it. Um, So we'll talk about that. And then are you one of those people like me where you go to the Whole Foods hot bar or I don't I don't need a Qdoba, but maybe you do. Um, These newer restaurants have these biodegradable bowls. You know, they look like they're made of paper or cardboard. They're pressed into the shape of a bowl. And then you can throw it into a special recycle bin that's for the paper recyclables because they're supposed to be so biodegradable and so earth friendly. Well, guess what? Those bowls are full of chemicals that cause testicular cancer and other ills. And oh, by the way, they don't degrade. The chemicals in them that prevent the food from making them fall apart, you know, because that's they have to put chemicals in the paper. Otherwise, hot, wet food makes, you know, it, it basically disintegrates paper. Well, in order to stop that action, they put chemicals in it. Well, the chemicals they put in it don't biodegrade. They also are not safe for humans. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself about how many times I've eaten out of those containers or even put in one, put one in the fridge and then warmed it up later and ate out of it. Oh, my goodness. Lord, please preserve me. Work with my cells. Cleanse my cells. In, in Jesus name. Amen. And then also charging stations. So have you ever been somewhere and seen a charger that is provided by, let's say, a university or, or someplace like that? It'll be a charging station that's branded and you can walk up and just plug your phone into it to get a little, you know, a little juice. Or maybe someone, 
uh, you'll be at a hotel and you'll see in the nightstand someone left their charger behind. Well, this new study says you should never plug a charger that's not yours into your device because it can download hacking algorithms that make your your device unsafe. Yeah, and more. 5G, we're going to talk about that as well. Stay there. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m. Monday. And you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit SaveTheFood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, okay, couple things, couple things, couple things. Um, so I'm heading over because sometimes I get so busy doing the show that I don't end up stopping off at the chat room at stacyontheright.com. And that is the one that we say is our preferred methodology for you. We want you um, to go over there. So I'm going to put my name in here and then hit the chat button. Um, so welcome back to the show at Stacy on the right on Twitter and Instagram. So what we're doing is we're going to run through. I want to start off with. Um, some audio of the president talking about Huawei. So, and we have a ton. So we have, I'm going to go through all of our tech stuff right now. I want to do the tech stuff right away. um, Mainly because there's, there's an interesting connection here. Um, You got the Huawei announcement of a delay in, in basically the ban on using their stuff. You have the U.S. military developing 5G after the Office of Inspector General blamed China's cyber uh, espionage on some, re- some really interesting developments there. So I'm going to hit that. 
And then we'll talk about the borrowing of the charging cable because that's like everyday stuff where, and I'm not talking about like between family members or close friends that you know well. I'm talking about when you find a charging cable someplace, like maybe it's under the bed at the hotel and you're like, oh my goodness, because you know they're worth like 30 or 40 bucks. Um, And if it's for your laptop, it's worth like 90 bucks. And so you're thinking, ah, yeah, I'll take this. Well, that might be something someone left behind. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, I want to go to the president and his statements about uh, Huawei. Huawei is... uh a company we may not do business with at all. We're actually open not to doing business with them. Now they have little sections of Huawei like furniture and other things that we could do, but when you cut out sections, it gets very complicated. What's being sold, what's coming in. So at this moment, it looks much more like we're not gonna do business. I don't wanna do business at all because it is a national security threat. And uh, I really believe that the media is covered a little bit differently than that. So the media is covering it a bit differently because everything they cover about the president, it has to be that he's the bad guy, he's wrong. And so they end up advocating for things that they themselves don't even believe in because liberals believe in cybersecurity. Look how many liberals work in um, the cybersecurity area, in the information technology space. They're involved in this. They don't want to have breaches. They don't want security breaches are often, it's not only a source of embarrassment, but it can be a total devastator to your to your bottom line as a company if your system is down for an extended period of time or sensitive information is leaked out. And so it's interesting to hear the president addressing this. He was uh, at the White House uh, on the way. You could hear the, the helicopter in the background and he stopped for a quick press avail with uh, the press corps. So Now you have Secretary Wilbur Ross echoing the comments of the president. He's on with Maria Bartiromo, and here he is talking about Huawei and what the next steps are going to be. Yes, well, not so much tougher, just making sure there are no loopholes in the original. We we now have more than 100 subsidiaries on the entity list. Tell me the, the significance of the entity list, why this is important. Well, here's the entity list purpose. It's under the IEPA legislation, and it's, its purpose is to make sure that we don't endanger U.S. security. President yesterday in his news conferences made clear his concerns about national security in Huawei. So adding more entities makes it more difficult for Huawei to get around So they want to make it a foolproof methodology for dealing with this company that has it really their sole aim and mission is to be um, in the tech warfare space. They want to be able to have their systems um, as the the basis for all other technology, especially on the 5G platform, so that other countries will inadvertently have all Huawei uh, tech in all of their systems. And then that way, if they want to activate something, if they want to, you know, use an algorithm or artificial intelligence, they can because their system, every system will have a little bit of Huawei in it, right? It's like the cranberry juice. Um, it's in all the other juices. Have you noticed there's cran apple, cran grape, cran banana, cran orange, there's cranberry juice in every other juice. They want to be the cranberry juice of the technology market. And so while cranberry juice can be very, very good for us as humans, we all know what happens if you drink way too much cranberry juice. And we all know what happens if you drink anything that's poisonous. And so Huawei is a bad actor. They're basically the Chinese government. And the Chinese government does not operate in free market spaces without putting forward its aims, which is the expansion of communism and the domination of all other markets by the the Chinese market. So that brings us to this story over at the Epoch Times. And remember, listen.staceyontheright.com is where you can find the links. If you want to share any of these stories or read them for yourself, especially you print it out, talk about it around the dinner table. Sometimes we do that. And it's very, very helpful because, first of all, you'd be surprised at what your kids are already absorbing. And second of all, it's nice to have, a, you know, as a topic of conversation, this is something that impacts all of us because we all use technology. So the U.S. military is going to develop 5G after the OIG blames China's Cyber Espionage Acts. The U.S. Department of Defense is starting a secure 5G microelectronics initiative after a declassified IG report blamed China for supply chain cyber espionage. This is a day after they released a heavily redacted report identifying numerous cybersecurity vulnerabilities associated with U.S. military purchases of commercial off-the-shelf items, which are known in government speak by the acronym COTS, that contain Chinese electronics. 
The Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, RNE, Michael Griffin, told Space and Missile Defense Symposium, quote, what I want to bet on is the ability of the United States and our Western allies to out-innovate adversaries, end quote. I don't think that's a, a fair bet because it's clear that we can do it. If we're no longer allowing the, the forced transfers of our intellectual property and we've got a grip on the whole Silicon Valley venture capitalist, you know, it was like a train that the Chinese were running through our venture capital space and they were taking all of the intellectual capital from these developers in exchange for venture capital funds. If we've stopped all of that, then we're in a fantastic place to uh, innovate because we don't have anybody in there who's stealing and trying to innovate alongside of us or even overtake us in, you know, whatever it is, this, these new ideas that come almost exclusively out of the United States. It's, it's amazing. It's these, it's these tech kids, you know, they're 12 or 13 years old with a fantastic idea and they're, they're starting companies. And even when I say tech kids, that goes all the way up to the 20 and 22 and 23 year olds where they're out there developing this stuff. And guess what? They're Americans. Okay, they've been educated in America. Their parents are Americans or visa holders. And these kids, these young adults are just creative and they're trailblazers and they're making the products that are making our lives easier. Uh, So Griffin, to go back to his, this is uh, the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, Michael Griffin, stated that the R&E arm of the, the Pentagon will see a $311 million spike in its budget, bringing it to $459 million next year, as its, quote, trusted and assured microelectronics supply chain initiative expands to incorporate fifth generation and Internet of Things IoT network, 5G modems, and end-user devices into military systems and capabilities. Griffin also said that the Pentagon leadership is ever more convinced, especially with all the news centering around Huawei, and who will and won't buy their hardware, and whether we will or won't, that assured microelectronics is a key priority. As a result, DOD has upgraded the priority for development of secure 5G network supply chain to the same level as hypersonics, directed energy, and space sensor layer vendors for systems to deal with advanced Chinese missile threats. He also stated that trade wars with China are not in his job description, but Chinese infiltration of the microelectronic supply chains have forced the Department of Defense to take a broader view of hardening network security because of the Internet of Things effects will eventually dominate the management of supply depots, ports, airfields, autonomous vehicles, all of these things in the event of hostilities, according to breaking defense. Now, that was a mouthful. Suffice it to say, this man is coming out. He's basically making this announcement to reset the paradigm for us, to let us know that for our military to operate in the future, we have to have all of our components and everything that comprises the, the, it's the foundation, the infrastructure. And from there on out, everything, hardware and software have to be hardened against vulnerabilities. And in order to do that, they have to use trusted suppliers and they can no longer trust the supply chain that comes out of China. And I, you know, I almost feel like I'm so glad to see the announcement, but I am just sitting over here, y'all. I'm like, really? You're just realizing this y'all? Like, like, it took Donald Trump to wake y'all up. And it doesn't say that here in this article, but that's just me. You know, it took Donald Trump to wake y'all up to the fact that these people, if if he hadn't been the president, Hillary Clinton would be selling us out lock, stock, barrel, screw and and, and hammer and nail. She would have sold. She would have said, all y'all companies just go over there and do what you're going to do. But I'm not going to stop them from forced transfers. We're getting money from them. We owe them money. We're borrowing more money from them. I know everybody's a little upset with the latest spending package and they're talking about, you know, Washington spending like drunken sailors and they should have done better with that budget. And I, I, I tend to agree, but I can only imagine what it would be like if it was Hillary Clinton as the president. Okay. Uh, you know, no fighting against China. I'll tell you that no announcements out of DOD that we're going to actually make our own supply, like supply ourselves. Think about the job creation that's involved in us supplying ourselves. I know we have to be involved in international trade. We are not an island. We can't just, you know, hermit ourselves off. But when it comes to national defense, are you saying there are better minds out there? 
are you saying that those better minds, if they do exist outside of our country, that we can't get a hold of them by hiring them in to contract for us or offering them citizenship? You know, we offer citizenship to every other group. Why not offer it to people who can actually bring something of value to this country? So upgrading 5G to the DOD's highest levels of research and engineering follows the OIG detailing how military small dollar purchases adding up to $32.8 million dollars bypass congressional bans against purchasing Chinese-made Lenovo computers, Lexmark printers, and GoPro cameras with known cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Now, Lenovo, which you may or may not even know this, I know it's, it's news to me, is China's largest computer company, and it has been the subject of multiple congressional, Department of Homeland Security, and other federal government agency cybersecurity risk warnings. The U.S. State Department banned Lenovo use on its classified networks after reports that its computers were manufactured with hidden hardware or software used for cyber espionage. The Department of Homeland Security in 2015 issued warnings regarding pre-installed spyware and the Joint Chiefs of Staff Intelligence Directorate issued a 2016 warning that Lenovo computers and handhelds could introduce compromised hardware into the DOD supply chain that may pose a cyber espionage risk to classified and unclassified DOD networks. Are you hearing me right? What? So they know this about Lenovo, but they're going to trust Huawei? No, we will make our own things. Thank you very much. It's like you going out to eat someplace that you know every other minute they're having some kind of um, dust up with the Department of Health over their their safety and you know how how clean the place is. And instead of just cooking dinner at home, you're like, mm, we got to go there again. <laughs> Whatever it is they're cooking, we just got to keep going there. No, you don't. You don't want to risk your tummy going over there. So Lexmark. Um, the U.S. National Vulnerabilities Database also lists Lexmark, a U.S.-based company that is now owned by a consortium of Chinese firms, as having a twenty a list of twenty cybersecurity vulnerabilities that could allow storing and transmitting sensitive network access credentials in plain text, plus allow execution of malicious code on the printer. Lexmark vulnerabilities could allow remote hackers the ability to launch cyber espionage or DOS attacks on a DoD network. Vulnerabilities for the GoPro action cameras designed to film and share video in real time through wireless or Bluetooth connections include remote attacker access to the stored network credentials and live video streams. By exploiting the vulnerabilities, a malicious actor could surveil or record video streams and pictures without the user's knowledge. The OIG declassified report redacted numerous sections discussing national security cyber espionage sources and uses. Sections were also redacted regarding the inherent cyber espionage risk of small dollar purchases of Chinese-made video surveillance equipment from Hangzhou Hikvision Digital Technology Company and Dahua Technology Company. Suffice it to say, not our friends in this space. That's why we need to make our own stuff. So I'm super glad about this announcement. Um, So let's quickly talk about borrowing someone else's charging cord in this last minute we have here in this segment. So this piece is over at Forbes.com and it's by Suzanne Rowan Kelleher. She's a contributor in the travel space. And basically she's saying that they've already, the cybersecurity experts have already exposed that there's a problem here. There's a potential for hackers to insert malicious code into these charging cables so she said treat it like your underwear when you get to your destination and the airport has your luggage is in phoenix and you're you're traveling to dc you don't ask the airport if they have any underwear that you can borrow right (laughs) you you just go out and you buy yourself some fresh underwear and maybe a change of clothes or you know if you're going someplace we already have some you just buy the underwear this the same thing with your charging cables. That's what she likens it to. She says there's certain things in your life you just don't borrow. If you were on a trip and realize you forgot to pack underwear, you don't ask any of your co-travelers if you could borrow their underwear. You go to the store and you buy new. Henderson, um, Charles Henderson, global managing partner and head of X-Force Red at IBM Security says... Uh, He runs a team of hackers that clients hire to break into their computer systems in order to expose vulnerabilities. Cyber hackers have figured out how to implant charging cables with malware that can remotely hijack devices and computers. So he says, when you get to your destination, if you don't have a charging cable, buy a new one. Don't, Don't get one from the front desk. Don't 
that charging cable that's left in the nightstand in your hotel, don't use it. You find a charging cable someplace, throw it away. It's it's safer than using it and then having everything on your computer exposed to hackers who have implanted the malware. He says, just because we haven't seen yet a widespread attack doesn't mean we won't see it because it certainly does work. The technology is really small and really cheap. It can get so small that it looks like an ordinary cable but has the capability and the intelligence to plant malware on its victim. You see what I'm saying? That's like some crazy pants stuff right there. All right, we'll be back with more. Stay there. Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba. Please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. Dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. (coughs) When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Um, there's a... There's some conversation going on in the chat room. People are talking about leprosy on the rise in Los Angeles County and um, China buying some of our food companies, um, Chinese companies purchasing some of our food companies. I don't understand why that's not on some list where when you go to have approval from the State Department or whatever on purchasing a company that if you're a foreign entity, you can't own a food company that, you know, so basically you can't own chicken processing plants in the United States if you're a Chinese company. I just don't understand why that's not a thing. But anyway, um, it's not so far. Um, So we were talking about this not using the chargers. And you can read more about it. And the the story is over um, over at, well, it's from Forbes.com, but it's in the links over at my uh, listen.stacyontheright.com for this episode. So 
he said, and I love this analogy from Henderson. He says, uh, being careful about what you plug into your devices is just good tech hygiene. Think of it in the same way that you think about opening mail attachments or sharing passwords. In a computing context, sharing cables is like sharing your password because that's the level of access you're crucially conveying with these types of technology. He says many travelers know that in a pinch, the hotel front desk will often have a drawer of charging cables that were left behind by guests. He says, don't be tempted. If the front desk had a drawer full of underwear, would you wear those? <laughs> so if you're a mom like me, you're like, how many times have you you've been packing to leave? And, you know, the moms are always the ones who we go check the kids packing. So we go in, you know, you go into their bedroom and you're like, show me what you've packed for the trip. And the kids are always so proud to show off what they've packed. They're like, these are my, these are my um, pajamas. These are my socks. These are my teddy bears. These are my, um, my games that I'm going to take. These are my books that I'm going to take. And you're like, so you're, you got pajamas, you got socks and you have, um, that's it. Your pajamas and socks where, where are your clothes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then, so then they go in their, you know, they go in their little closet, start pulling out some actual outfits or they'll have all of the clothes they need to wear. But no shoes or they'll have shoes and clothes, but no under things or no. So that's why the the moms always go in and check their stuff. But I I just think it's hilarious because we always are concerned with making sure that everybody packed enough underwear and to show up someplace and not have enough underwear would be such an atrocious travesty to have to go through. And he's comparing sharing your charging cable to sharing underwear. I mean, that's an analogy that you just you're not gonna be able to get that out of your mind. Sorry, but it's in my mind, too. So we're together. All right. Um, so now I want to talk about these environmentally friendly takeout bowls. This link is over there too. Um, at listen.stacyontheright.com. Holy moly. It's actually incredible how often this keeps happening. And this is from the rightscoop.com. According to experts who are consulted for this study, for this story, all molded fiber bowls contain PFAS, which stands for per dash and polyfluoroalkyl substances polyfluoroalkyl polyfluoroalkyl there you go polyfluoroalkyl substances a broad class of more than 4000 fluorinated compounds that do not biodegrade naturally in the environment this means that the bowls used at restaurants like chipotle and sweet green aren't truly compostable as been has been claimed instead they're likely making compost more toxic adding to the chemical load of the very soil and water they're supposed to help improve And rather than degrading quickly, they can potentially contain hazardous ingredients that never break down. Not in five years, not in 500 years. Now, that's kind of hard for me to believe because if you look at those paper bowls, it seems like if you microwaved it three or four times or brought it to the temperature of outside, like right now it's in the 90s, I think here, it seems like if it was in the ground with other trash, it would have to biodegrade because of the heat, but apparently not. The new food economy tested fiber bowls from 14 locations of eight different New York City restaurants, including multiple outposts of Chipotle, Dig In, and Sweet Green. All of the samples tested contained high levels of fluorine, which experts, including Notre Dame chemist Graham Peasley, who conducted the testing, say indicates treatment with PFAS compounds. These powerful compounds are what allow these bowls to hold wet, hot and greasy food, which would quickly destroy any untreated paper products. So PFAS is what keeps your lunch from falling into your lap when you're holding these bowls. But the public health implications of this finding are not yet clear. The very worst PFAS chemicals are linked to a range of serious health outcomes from colitis and thyroid disorders to kidney and testicular cancers and have been mostly phased out of production in the U.S., So these bowls are more than likely created containing newer varieties that are just as persistent in the environment and are of grave concern to scientists and have not yet been studied as closely for the potential health effects. I mean, it's kind of exhausting, isn't it? Just get you a bowl made out of porcelain and make the people when they're eating, give the bowl back, you know, like at regular restaurants. And then to go, I guess you're going back to styrofoam, aren't you? And don't microwave styrofoam and you're going to live. You're just going to live, okay? It's kind of hard for me to believe that in this day and age, with everything that we know, we're still discovering stuff about takeout containers. 
All right. So now, last two stories of the show. You've got, both of these are over at StacyOnTheRight.com if you want to check them out. First of all, this report. Okay, I don't know why this isn't showing up. Um, hmm, interesting. Okay. I wonder what's going on. I've got 404 errors over here on this. Um, I'm not sure if, well, I know my blog is up because I'm over here on it right over here. Um, hmm, okay, so we got a 404 error on the post that I did from um, the French Modeling Agency and also for Joe Biden's assault weapon thing. I'm just checking this out while we're sitting here on the show. Um, so I will have to go into my email and read you this story. Um, the story is about Joe Biden talking about his assault weapons ban. Now, the issue that we have with that, obviously, is that Joe Biden should not be um, talking about banning anything. Joe Biden should be thinking about how he can get his campaign going in a way that brings substantial issues to the American people. Um, there is no acceptable process for him by which he can, you know, be, be just this gun control nut. Many, many people are interested in what he has to say on issues. But as he continues to attack to the left, he's having to ex- take on these extreme positions that are making him, in my opinion, pretty unviable. So this also goes along with um, this guest opinion piece by Clay Turner, where he talks about the New York Times op-ed by Joe Biden. He says, banning assault weapons works. The headline is full of half-truths. It's, it's, it's just not true. It's unsupported. The language is loaded. And it's intended to hoodwink people who are horrified by mass shootings. So, and a lot of Americans don't know a ton about guns. We have a high level of gun ownership, but we do not have... Uh, a populace that is particularly well-versed in firearms language, proper firearms language, because our media spends so much time trying to um, misinform Americans. And unfortunately, people don't go out and say, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to trust CNN on this. I'm going to look it up for myself. There's so much information out there. They're often just like, you know what? I'm just going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with the, the source that I trust. So Biden claims we have a huge problem with guns. Now, we don't have guns that jump up and stalk people. I did a video years ago where I went, I, I laid out some guns that we own. I left them there unsupervised for a while. And then I came back with my live video on my cell phone and to check on them. And they were just laying there. And obviously, I don't believe in inanimate objects can jump up and do stuff to you. But I still did it. Um, so guns don't invade homes. Guns don't engage in turf shootouts. People do that stuff. In academic circles, Biden's claim is called an anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism, or ascribing human characteristics to inanimate objects. It's a literary device, not a fact. It's it's what they do in cartoons, where you know in Disney movies, the spoon and the teapot and the table and the chairs all have personalities and can talk and dance. Um, you know, animals can talk and dance. These are fantastic things for kids because kids have extreme imaginatory powers and they're, they're, you know, easily convinced that this could be real or, you know, that that's why we have cartoons. That's why we have phantasmagorical types of stories like this, because you can suspend your disbelief and enjoy them. But in real life, inanimate objects don't just jump up and do stuff. And data doesn't support his claims. Research can be mind numbing, But B.J. Campbell did a little bit of research into the mind-numbing statistics and confirmed that there is no clear correlation whatsoever between gun ownership and the rate of gun ownership and the gun homicide rate. Not within the U.S., not regionally, not internationally. If you don't feel like, you know, delving into that, the U.S. gun homicide rates have been falling since the mid-1990s. And I wrote about that for America's First Freedom when I used to write for them. Domestic gun sales have skyrocketed, especially during the Obama and Biden administration. Remember, President Obama was the best gun salesman our country had ever known. They said he, he that was something he didn't get an award for. He was given Nobel Peace Prize and all that other stuff. 
Um, so Biden also says that assault weapons, military style firearms designed to fire rapidly are a threat to our national security. Now, he is intentionally describing firearms in that way so that he can conflate the AR-15 with machine guns. Now, we all know, and here, if you're anywhere gun, illiter- gun literate, if you have any gun literacy at all, you know that a fully automatic weapon has to have been manufactured before a certain year and you have to get a tax stamp and then there's a 12 to 18 month long process that you have to wait through after you've applied for and gotten your tax stamp in order to own one. Same thing with a silencer. With an AR-15, because it is a semi-automatic long gun that can be equipped with a stock um, or an extra handle or a scope that it doesn't change its functionality. It just changes how easy it is for you to fire it. But AR-15s are intentionally light and easy to fire because they're meant for smaller individuals and women. They're also heavily used in the hunting space. They're great for home defense because a small person can use an AR-15 to defend themselves if an intruder comes in. Even with all of that information, the most commonly used firearms in the U.S. are semi-automatic handguns. Again, semi-automatic handguns are the most often used. So, it the AR-15 is the most popular rifle in America. How does it constitute a threat to our national security? Best estimates place about 16 million AR-15s in the hands of U.S. civilians. Yet their use in homicides is so rare that the FBI doesn't even track them. Instead, FBI data lumps them in with all other types of rifles, which are used in less than 4% of U.S. homicides. Circling back around to that statistic I just gave you, handguns are the primary weapon of choice. So the most preposterous claim that Biden made in his op-ed was that the 1994 assault weapons and high-capacity magazine bans worked. So if they worked, why was the ban allowed to expire 10 years later. It had a sunset of 10 years. And when the sunset came and went, nobody reintroduced the ban. Why? Because it didn't actually reduce gun homicides. The ban did not provide any creditable data that it was responsible for reducing gun homicides. So, you know, who wrote the op-ed for him? You might find it newsworthy to know that a lot of famous people don't write their own op-eds. It's perfectly fine. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine. But perhaps if we're thinking about who did write it, and if you read a lot of the stuff that comes out of Michael Bloomberg's Everytown for Gun Safety or Moms Demand Action, you might see some similarities in the writing because, yeah, he used a lot of the same language. <laughs> So, obviously, in order to secure the Democratic nomination this year, for, for next year, uh, next year, you're going to need to be a gun controller. You're not going to be able to run out and say, you know, I believe guns save lives. They just don't have that. They don't have that in their platform anymore. But it's kind of crazy for him to go this far to lie about an issue that's so important, like the Second Amendment. All right, that's the show for today. God bless you. Fantastic to be with you today from the heartland. Have a fantastic night.